0: Sasha. Welcome to Q&A Thursday. Before the Orlando Massacre, I interviewed Natalie Wut'en leader and musician Cheryl Baer about Father's Day, family life, and First Nations communities across Canada. Today, we are airing that interview. Cheryl is also a council member and Q&A Thursday's first musical guest. Here she is with her song, My Father. Tell me a little bit about My Father and and why you wrote it.
1: Yeah, I wrote the song My Father for my dad, uh, because he has always been there, and he's always been this person in my life who I know that I can always count on. Like, I I just know that um, no matter what happens in my life, he will be there, and he always has been. And, you know, I met so many people who don't know their dad or they have uh, problems with their parents or, you know, difficulties and and they don't have a concept or an understanding of who God the Father is because of their relationship with their own dad. And it just just broke my heart to think about that um, because my dad's just been so great, right? I mean, he's not perfect for sure, but he's always been there.
0: So when you are talking to people who have um, issues with their own, their own dads, uh, do you find it difficult to, to connect? Do you find it difficult to communicate because your own relationship with your dad has been so healthy?
1: Oh, I sure do, yeah. It's, it's almost impossible to sort of think that through. When you see uh, kids who have a strong dad and a strong that strong will model in their life, you, you tend to see them being much more secure human beings. And, and it's just, I don't know, maybe maybe that's um, an overestimation of things. But I don't know, I think healthy dads uh, kind of help uh, and gender, uh, you know, really strong, healthy kids.
0: When you look at or think about the legacy of residential schools, how do you think it's affected fathers and and the way that the Native community sees fatherhood?
1: Oh, they were so brutal. You know, I always say that the residential schools kind of tore the fabric of our society, just ripped it um, to shreds. Uh, We had such strong families, and, you know, the uh, mom and the dad kind of took care of the day-to-day business of everything, um, and the grandparents were really in charge of, of raising the children and teaching the kids, and the grandfather uh, and the grandmother both had a very strong role uh, in the parenting of the children and in the running of the household and and so those kind of strong knit families i mean that's one of the reasons why they started the residential school was because um i read a letter i think it was at the alert bay museum and um what it said was was the the government one government official talking to another and saying these families are too strong uh, we have to take the children away in order to basically assimilate the children, and so it was just a real plan from the beginning because our families were so strong.
0: Whenever I speak to natives or people who are working in native communities or part- partnering with native communities, they always talk about, you know, we don't want to talk about the past anymore. We want to talk about the good things that are that are happening. We want to talk about the good things that we're doing. Um, how can you can you give me an example or, or talk to us a little bit about? how some some of the positives that are coming out now and how um how the families are being rebuilt i'm
1: just i misunderstood who is saying this that they don't want to
0: talk about well i mean when you and i first talked that the first time um just in terms of focusing on negativity and focusing on focusing too much on um uh dysfunction sort of societal community dysfunction
1: I think that my not wanting to talk or maybe referring to not wanting to talk about the past is maybe more uh, kind of like, you know, how uh, people talk about um, poverty porn, you know, like um, sort of, you know, you you say things about the poor and you, um, you know, you maybe uh, make sweeping statements because you're trying to fundraise and so it ends up being you know what they call poverty porn and i think that we see things on tv sometimes that that are like that so that's kind of how i feel about showcasing um native social issues uh, you know we just it just gets so exhausting after a while and i and i also i don't think that that's a really healthy way to always talk about uh indigenous people you know we do need to focus on more positive things but when we talk about the past when we talk about residential school and the history of colonization as a whole, I think those kind of, let me talk about that past. that's really important because we're only going to be able to move forward if we are, you know, have a really good understanding and we're really grounded in the truth of the history of what happened to our people.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about what a family unit might have been like in the past and uh, how... Um, what the rebuilding process has been like.
1: Yeah, we've had to sort of rebuild kind of out of nothing. The legacy of the residential school is that they gave us uh, only shame and only distrust in our own people, in our own selves, in our own ways. Uh, It all became second class compared to the American dream or Canadian dream or whatever. To rebuild, we've had to really try to lean in to what it means to be native and to remember some of those old values to remember our stories. you know the colonization was you know you can move away you can you can build your life, you can be independent, but our values tell us no we're nothing without our community, you know, and our land is so important to us that we're so connected inherently. To our land and spiritually to our land, because of the stories of the Creator placing us on our land. and and so remembering those stories, I think has has gone really far in in helping us to rebuild. and it's that story, that story that rebuilds identity. And I think that identity is the one of the main areas in indigenous life that needs healing, probably the main one. Because that's where the sort of full frontal attack from colonization came was our identity.
0: Can you give me an, give me an idea of how uh, the I, the sort of broadly Canadian citizens identity like identity of a father or or idea of that might be different from uh, a native how a native would identify with the the duties and the role of a father? Are they different?
1: Uh, yeah, I was, I was really thinking about that. How different are Canadian fathers from indigenous fathers? And, you know, I, I think that at the core, the values are the same, love and, and, you know, cherish your children, provide for them, all of those good things. Uh, but, you know, I honestly, I think that indigenous fathers today who are healthy, I think that they have even kind of more of a uh, protective and just a real sort of gut reaction to protect their kids because we have uh, so much more happening to our native people. You know, our um, the murdered and missing women. There's yeah. um, hundreds. You know, how many? I don't even know the number anymore of uh, of women, and there so many of them are indigenous, right? And our. So I think that that we are a little, maybe more aware of that stuff, and maybe a little bit more, maybe overcautious. I know I know that everybody is that way. I know that all of us are very concerned about our kids. But I think that indigenous people live with a, a far more dangerous reality in that our girls are much more susceptible to go missing, to be to be murdered. It's it's a it's a horrible thing to say, but it's a reality. It's a reality for me as a woman. It's a reality for all of my relatives who are female. And it's terrifying, that part of it.
0: You know, you're an indigenous woman, uh, you're a musician, you're a leader. As you look to the future and you think about, you know, young women looking at starting families of their own, what kind of men, what kind of fathers um, are you, would you want to lead the, the, the generations coming you know, in the in the future?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Our elders have said things like, you know, when you're in a group, don't push yourself forward. Uh, you'll always find our chiefs and our leaders sitting in the back row. And it's uh, very fascinating that that is also in the Bible. You know, you're supposed to wait to be recognized. We're mistaken for being quiet and shy, whereas rather it's just uh, this value of waiting to be recognized. For young women, I would say that a really important thing—not only being humble, but also finding someone who's got a really strong work ethic, who's not afraid to work. When it comes to uh, salmon season on in my village, and I'll say what then, you know, everybody works so hard. And I guess the Protestant work ethic, you know, in the way in Canada is perhaps you know the nine to five, Monday to Friday, typical kind of a typical kind of a job but for indigenous people, a lot of times it's seasonal. It's built around the um, uh, you know, harvesting of animals and so on, and and that sort of seasonal work is maybe a little bit more the way we're geared. We work differently, but we work just as hard. Uh, another value that I see amongst our people is expressiveness. Native people are some of the most honest people I've ever met. It is a beautiful way of being when you can be honest and you can be vulnerable. And I think that that's the way to freedom. Uh, but it's so hard, I think, for Canadians and Canadian society to be vulnerable and honest because it makes us look weak, like we're incapable of, of something. And, and it, it sort of tarnishes us a little bit. But I've had conversations with Indigenous people where they're so honest and um, brutally honest. And, you know, that there's a beauty in that. And there is such authenticity amongst uh, Indigenous people um, that I that I, I I truly value that. You know, one of the things that happened in the residential school was they separated the boys and the girls, and there were brothers and sisters who were separated, and, and they weren't even allowed to talk to each other. One of my relatives has uh, a memory of going near a fence, and on the other side of the chain link fence was her brother. And they would pretend to be playing or doing something else, but they would be talking to one another kind of far away from the supervisors. Uh, they couldn't be seen to talk to each other even. And, you know, one of the things I think that they put on us, on, on our indigenous people, was it was wrong to show affection, to care for even for your siblings. We were ashamed and we were made to feel like it was inappropriate or, you know, there was something sexual going on. And when you're made to feel like that, it 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 drops just a, a huge kind of rock on, on your soul, I think, as that stops you from being able to show affection. Because every time you feel like you're showing affection or you're being tender towards somebody, you feel like you're doing something wrong. And, and that is something I've seen change. I've seen that slowly begin to change, but... And I'm, I have such hope again for the future generations that they won't have these these issues, these problems. So those three things, I guess, would be sort of the things I would talk about: humility, work ethic, and expressiveness.
0: When when you tell these stories, when I hear these these stories about the residential schools, um, it's I think part of the problem that sort of the wider Canadian public has is that we're seen or we we think of ourselves as being this like kind and polite and open and welcoming and um, society and that's our that's our sort of image outside of you know to the wider world as well and it's just seems impossible that anybody who would have called themselves Canadian could have behaved in such a way you know so I just feel like maybe there's this maybe we just have a societal thing where we just don't want to believe it and it's easier to say and especially with with the indigenous communities being, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Right? Um, it's easier for us to say, "Well, that was in the past," than to say, "The past is still here." It's there are people still still reaping what was sown. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the ways that we talk about that is, you know, people can say, "Oh, well, that wasn't me. I yeah. didn't do those things. So why should I have to apologize? Why should I have to even feel bad about those things?" Uh, and and it's sort of like, okay, well, fair question. But then the next question becomes, well, how do you benefit from what your relatives did, from what your forefathers did here in Canada, and how did they benefit from this this uh, crazy history, and, the, and how did it fall to you to benefit you, and and how how did it, um, how, and, then, and then I think people can take a new look at Indigenous people and realize oh goodness, you know, we really did benefit. that we were, who are the landowners in, in Canada? Who are the wealthy people in Canada? And it's, like I said, it's not been an indigenous story here. It's, it's always been
2: an immigrant story.
0: Well, Cheryl, thanks a lot for your time. Um, and thank you for for always just being so open and, and to hearing my questions and, and um, just answering them. I, I know and I might not always ask the it the right way, but I'm I'm really appreciative of your gracefulness around that. And
1: I think you're doing a great job, Sasha. I appreciate your questions, and I honestly appreciate if you um, stumble over a word and just have to use it. Then that's brilliant. I I would much rather um, answer those you know questions. so I so appreciate being on this program and being able to share some of these things, because I think. And just being honest and telling these stories is one of the ways that we walk towards this healing. So thanks, Sasha. Never go away. Never go away.
0: That was Cheryl Baer, musician and First Nations leader. We reached her at her home in British Columbia. The song, featured today and playing right now, is called My Father. It's by Cheryl Bear, and it is available on iTunes. That's all for this week. I am Sasha. This has been Q&A Thursday. As always, thank you for listening.